morning, LifePoint. How's everybody doing? Awesome. Good to hear it. Well, hey, if you are visiting with us for the very first time, welcome. Uh, if we even had a chance to meet, my name's John, and uh, glad you're here. If you wouldn't mind just texting the word welcome to the number on the screen, 406-219-0314. Even if you're watching online, we would love for you to do that as well so we can connect with you. But uh, hey, real quick, don't typically give a whole lot of announcements, but next Sunday is an exciting Sunday. Uh, we got two exciting things that are happening. One is baptisms. We're going to have a, a baptismal service this next Sunday. A few people that are uh, wanting to follow the Lord in baptism and uh, make that public confession, profession of their faith. Uh, and so we're going to do that during uh, likely the first service. But if you would like to be baptized, you've never been baptized before, uh, we'd love for you to do that. And so you can go onto our website and just uh, register there, and then someone will follow up with you, and uh, we'll get you all set up for that. But excited for that. Uh, but also next Sunday, we're going to have a missionary, Tate Kennedy, a missionary to uh, the Czech Republic, is going to be with us. Tate was with us uh, several years back, and just kind of as, you know, everything in the world just kind of fell apart, right? Uh, we haven't really been able to connect with him, but he's going to be back with us this next Sunday, presenting their, their field and their opportunity for us to partner with them. And we're looking uh, to do that very thing in 2022, is to partner with uh, the Kennedys in the Czech Republic. We support uh, Tate's mom and dad. Uh, in Nicaragua, Max and Jen Kennedy, and we've had a long partnership with them uh, for quite a while, and we've actually been able to uh, take a missions trip to Nicaragua as well, and so they're a great family and uh, just doing great work kind of all over uh, the, the world. And so looking forward to that. Hope you're going to be here with us uh, for those wonderful things. If you have a Bible, go to Galatians chapter number five with me this morning. If you don't have the scriptures, we'll uh, have them up here. Uh, on the screen for you to follow along with us. I'm going to just warn you, I'm going to give you a ton of scripture today, okay? There's going to be a ton of passages that we're going to go to uh, this morning. Just uh, keep a pen handy and write these down. But uh, hey, there's really probably a high, high probability that uh, the majority of us here this morning um, have either said something or did something this last week that we regret, Right. I want to ask you to raise your hand, um, you know, this morning. Some of you are like, I'm going to just do it because, uh, yeah, right? Uh, that's the truth, right? Like, uh, for all of us, we, we know what it's like uh, to, to do something that we regret, right? Maybe this past week you fell trapped to some sin, right? Some habit uh, that you just so desperately want to kind of rid your life of, right? It's, uh, it's really a, a struggle, some habit that's dishonoring to God, whatever it, it is. Maybe you said something hurtful to someone uh, that you love. Maybe you neglected to say something, right? I mean, the reality is that every single one of us here this morning, we understand what it's like, we know what it's like to give in to the desires of our flesh, do we not? Uh, this is the common battle, this is the common struggle that every single one of us face in life. We face it as Christians, day in and day out. How do I win this battle uh, against the flesh that so desperately wants to do what it wants to do, right? Uh, and if you're like a lot of people uh, in life, a lot of Christians even, there's moments and there's times where we just kind of go through these moments, these valleys, these times where we just give in, we give in, we give in, and we have a tendency to say this, why try? Right? Why try? Being holy is hard. Uh, living a righteous life is difficult. It's just really too hard to be good. And so we often just let our flesh win. And what happens is we get off track. We get kind of derailed in life. And, and often what happens as a consequence of that is not only does our life kind of get off track and our life becomes a little derailed in life, but what ensues is that our relationships 
with other people begin to get derailed as well. Conflict ensues. Relationships start to kind of deteriorate, especially, especially when your heart and my heart and our selfishness begins to win and our flesh begins to take over. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, the conflict begins to ensue. And many of you might be able to relate to that. Like the conflict that ensued because of, you know, that thing you did or that thing you said or whatever the case might be. We can all relate to that. And that's essentially what James says is that this conflict actually comes from within. Listen to James chapter number four. We'll get to Galatians five here in just a moment. But he says, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? We all want to know the answer to that question, don't we? Like, what is it that's causing the quarrels and the conflict and the relationships that I have with other people in life? James says, guess what? Uh, is it not this, that your passions, your passions, my passions, our passions are at war within you? James says, look, you want to know where it originates. It actually originates within your heart, within your life. It is you and I, our own passions. We don't like to hear that, do we? Like, we want to say, like, it's the other person's fault, uh, and it's their uh, issue, not my issue, but we'll at times do anything, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get what we want at the expense of others. Uh, and what happens when we do that? Conflict ensues. <laughs> Conflict ensues, does it not? Relationships suffer. And I bring that up because this is really where we left off last Sunday, if you were with us in Galatians chapter number five, uh, where Paul says this, look, in verse 15, if you bite and you devour one another, God forbid that that would ever happen in the church, right? Uh, that Christian people would bite and devour, that they would quarrel, that they would allow the pettiness of life to really get into the way of the relationships. And Paul says, look, church, uh, this is a reality. If you allow this to happen, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. When the flesh wins, this is what happens. And, and just so we're clear this morning, when we talk about the flesh, we're, we're talking about those selfish desires of our heart, right? The flesh in Scripture always represents our sin nature and our propensity uh, to do wrong and to do evil in life. When the flesh wins, we will consume one another. There'll be a trail brokenness left behind in your life and my life. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? You've, you've lived that. Uh, we said in the past that there's probably a majority of people here that, that have a lot of church hurt, right? You have a lot of brokenness and a lot of hurt in life because of the relationships with Christian people. And this is the reality that the scriptures time and time again are pointing us to, that we need to work on the inner man so that we can have healthy relationships. And so uh, how do we avoid this? Right? Are there answers? Is there insight? Are there things that we can do? Does Scripture give us any help in this area of life? Like, how do we stop living for self, right, and start living for Jesus Christ? How do we win this battle that you and I constantly face? And this is what we're going to see this morning and over the course of uh, really the next few weeks after, of course, next Sunday uh, with our missionary. But we're going to really answer these questions. How do I win the battle with self today? And what did the scriptures give us as insight in order to win this battle? We're going to answer that question. Uh, and, and this will be very practical. It'll be, listen, very familiar, I suppose, to many of you in, uh, here this morning. But it's nonetheless no easy thing to accomplish. Right? Like, while we may know the answers, it doesn't mean like, oh, we've got it figured out and, and, and we're just, you know, coasting through life and not having any issues and any trials and any struggles. This takes practice, it takes effort, and it takes constantly going back to this one thing. And this one thing has been the thing that we have been pointing to throughout this entire series, that Paul has been pointing us to uh, throughout the entire book of Galatians, and that one thing is the Holy Spirit. 
that we might actually live by, that we might be led by, that we might be empowered by the Holy Spirit of God day in and day out throughout every circumstance of life, the Holy Spirit. And so here's the bottom line. If you're new to LifePoint, we have just one main idea that we're going to kind of draw our thoughts from this morning, and that is simply this, is that we need to fight with the right weapons. That if you want to win the battle with your flesh, with your desires, with these, these things that cause conflict in your marriage, in your relationships with your kids or your grandkids or the people at work or whatever the case might be, if you want to win this fight, you've got to fight. We've got to fight with the right weapons. And the scriptures, of course, give us some insight uh, in how to do that. And we're going to see that in Galatians chapter number five this morning and, and again over the course of the next few weeks. But let me remind us all that first and foremost, again, we're in a battle. We say this so often and we're, we need to remind ourselves that, that we're actually in a battle, that we're not just you know, here in this world to just kind of coast through life and do whatever we want. There is a battle, of course, that is raging in this world today. In fact, the battle is raging in your heart and my heart. Uh, the battle is raging in our lives day in and day out. The battle is with our flesh, of course, right? What our flesh wants to do and what the Spirit wants to do, and they're at odds with one another, right? Everyone understands that. If you're a Christian this morning, there are moments where you feel like, you know, God is leading me to do this, but your flesh is like, I do not want to do this, right? We can all relate to those moments and those things, but listen, we cannot win the battle with our flesh, with our own sinful desires, uh, with fleshly weapons, right? Like we need to fight on the right terms. We need to fight with the right weapons. We need to utilize the things that God has given us. And so we need to fight with spiritual weapons. In fact, listen to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10 in verse 3. Paul says, for though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging a war according to the flesh. Uh, this is a, a battle that we all know, we all feel, we all experience day in and day out. But this war is not according to our flesh. It is a spiritual warfare. And so we need different tools, right? Uh, we need different weapons. We need different tactics that are not flesh-born, but spirit-born. And the Holy Spirit is the answer. He is the weapon, Christian, that we are to use against our own flesh. And this is what Paul, again, has been pointing these believers to really throughout this entire uh, book, really from the very beginning, that we might rest in, that we might rest in the power of the Holy Spirit, not only for our justification, not only for our salvation, our eternity with God in heaven, but also our sanctification, which is this big theological term that simply means our growth in Christ is not dependent upon our flesh, but is dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. We're saved by the Spirit, and listen, we grow through the Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the key. If you remember, you were with us several months back, we said this, that we would actually come back to this thought that Paul was pointing us to this issue and this thought that the Holy Spirit is really the key to combating the lies, the lies that they were believing, the lies that we have a propensity to believe, and living successfully. The Holy Spirit is the key. And leaning into and letting the Holy Spirit lead our lives is so very, very cru crucial. Let me remind you what Paul said. I told you to give you a lot of scripture uh, and we're going to see a lot more today uh, as we get through this. But in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 3, Paul rem reminds the guy, are you so foolish? Right? Are you foolish having begun by the Spirit? Or are you now being perfected by the flesh? Why do you think, if you started in the Spirit, why do you think that your flesh is going to get you there? And so the Spirit is the key. Yet here's what we do. Right? And here's what we often do after maybe a sermon or a devotion or some, something where we hear truth and we're maybe convicted by that truth, we go home and we say this, by golly, I'm going to do better, right? And we try, 
and we try and we try, and yet we fail, right? Why? Why do we fail? We fail because we often are trying to do it in our own flesh. We fail because we often think the tactics of maybe I'll just do better and I'll attend more and I'll read more and I'll just, you know, I'll be more righteous and I'll be more holy and I'll succeed and it doesn't work. And so listen, we have got to learn to lean into the Holy Spirit of God. We cannot win with fleshly tactics, but it's got to be through the Spirit. And so let's read our text. Let's see what Paul has to say here. And again, very practical stuff here. The more you lean into this, uh, the more that you lean into the Spirit, in the, the, the less, listen, uh, that you will give in to sin. Uh, it doesn't mean this morning, I want you to leave here and be like, oh, I'm going to win the battle against sin, and I'm going to get to this place where I'll never sin in life. That is not true, and that's not realistic. In fact, God knows that you will continue to fall trapped to sin. But what if you, what if you sinned less? Uh, what if you lost those battles less and less and less in life? And some of you know what that's like, that the more that you've walked in the Spirit, the more that you've leaned upon God, the more that you've said yes to Him instead of your flesh, you've gotten on the other side of it and said, wow, I don't struggle with that as much anymore. Wouldn't that be wonderful for you to experience that as well? And it happens when we lean into the Holy Spirit of God. So let's read our text this morning. And let's see very clearly and very point blank what Paul has to say to us here this morning in verses 16 through 18. We'll read uh, all of those uh, verses, but we're really going to focus just on verse 16 this morning. But notice what Paul says. But he, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. You've heard that before, right? Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify or fulfill the desires of the flesh. Verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. There's that conflict Right, that's happening. If you're a Christian, you're saved, you have a relationship with Christ, you have the Spirit of God dwelling with inside of you, but yet there's a conflict between the Spirit and your own flesh. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so we're, we're going to lean into verse 16 this morning, but Paul just got done talking about how we're to live. Uh, in the context of our freedom in, in community, right? The, the previous weeks we've been talking about this, this idea of freedom, that we're free in Christ and, and that what that freedom is and how it should be used. Like, are we free to do whatever we want? Are we at liberty to live however we want and however we please in life? And Paul would say, no, that's not true. We need to live out our freedom in the context of Christian community. We're to love one another, we are to serve one another. We're to consider one another because if we don't, guess what will happen? Verse 15, we'll, we'll consume one another. And so that's the danger. And so Paul gives us here in verse 16 this wonderful, wonderful scripture that we often neglect in our personal walk and personal life. Uh, this is really a command and a promise. And I want you to know that that's what this is in verse 16, that we might walk in the Spirit so that we don't fulfill or gratify the, the lust, the desires of our flesh. This is both a command and a promise. The command is to walk by the Spirit. And I, and I want that to just like hit you in the face this morning. You know, splash of water in the face. That you are to live your life. I am to live my life by the Spirit of God. Every single day we ought to walk by that. We're going to define what that looks like this morning, but it's also a promise. Isn't that awesome? That God would give a command coupled with a promise and say, the promise is wonderful. 
that you won't give in as much, that you won't be a slave anymore to the desires of your flesh. And so we're going to spend some time dissecting this verse this morning. What does it really mean, and what does it really look like today? But before we answer this question, I feel like I need to give a little bit of a disclaimer, because I hear this, and maybe you hear this often in, in you know, Christian circles. I, I've been uh, in church a very, very long time, uh, both you know, not in ministry and both in ministry, and I often hear this. When people sin, when we sin, when we give in to some habit, some desire of our flesh, here's what we often say. The devil made me do it. That sneaky devil, always causing me to sin, right? And we kind of laugh at that, but that's often what we think, right? We think like every sin and every temptation and every issue in my life, and because I failed and because I gave into it, man, the, the devil was just there, just pushing me and prodding me, and I had no choice, and I just gave in. The devil made me do it. I think we give Satan. I think Satan's just like, sure, blame me, I don't care, right? We give him way, way, way too much credit, and credit is deserved, because I want you to know, at least in my own life, my flesh, I don't need Satan to sin. I don't need Satan to sin. Uh, and my flesh is way more powerful uh, in its, uh, it's really weak, I suppose, but uh, my flesh is always going to do what my flesh wants to do in life, and I don't need Satan to get me to that place in life. And I think that's important for us to understand as Christians because we need to understand the source of our sin. Often we want to look outside and say, I want to blame someone else, the conflict in my life, someone else, the issues in my life, someone, someone else, where I am in life, it's my parents' fault, like whatever. You know, we want to blame someone in life. And yet we need to look inside and say, the issue is within me. The issue is within me. The source is within me. And so uh, that is so important for us to understand. I'm a sinner desperately in need of Christ intervening constantly on my behalf. Until you understand that, you'll, you'll play the blame game. Uh, until you understand that every single day that you suck air in life, that you are desperately, constantly in need of God, if you don't realize that, man, you're going to do this up and down, up and down, constantly, through life, battling this flesh and battling this sin. And so we've got to come to grips with that reality. Don't always blame Satan, okay? And that sounds weird saying that from uh, the platform this morning, uh, but we need to understand where, where sin originates. Uh, in fact, Jesus would say these words in Mark chapter 7 and verses 21 through 23, uh, because the Pharisees and all these religious people were like, sin is from the outside, you know, just clean up your life and act religious and be religious and follow the law and everything's good. And Jesus is like, whoa, time out. Actually, because uh, verse 21 says, for from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts and sexual immorality and theft and murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all these evil things and everything else, they come from within. And those are the things that defile a person, right? And so back to our question, how do we win that fight, right? What are some things that we can do? What are the weapons that we are to use? Well, let me give you uh, a few thoughts over the course of the next few weeks. I'm gonna give you one. Can we handle one thought this morning, right? One point, one thought. Uh, pastors are notorious for like, it's gotta be three points, right? And if it's not three points and it's not a sermon, well, I'm gonna give you one point today and you know, like, you know, change all the odds of uh, sermon practice this morning. But I hope this is practical. Uh, and I hope this is helpful and it's really seated in 
uh, what Paul has to say to us here this morning, and that is this, is that we might change our pace. Have you ever thought about the pace that you're living at in life? Have you ever thought about the things that you're doing in, in everything that your life entails? And have you ever asked the question, is this pace that I'm living on actually healthy and God-honoring? Uh, in verse 16 again, uh, but I say, Paul says, walk by the Spirit, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify uh, the sins and the desires of the flesh. Here's what I mean by change your pace, because I think we need to really press in to understand this this morning. If I were to ask you this morning, and, and maybe someone has asked you, you know, you came to church and someone said to you, how are you, right? How are you? How are you doing? Uh, the majority of us probably answer that question, hey, I'm good, but I'm what? Say it with me. I'm busy, right? I'm good, but I'm busy. Why is everybody busy, right? Why does it seem like everyone in life is just so terribly, terribly busy in life? That's kind of the answer that we often get. We're all busy, and here's the problem with busy. We are running at a pace that we cannot sustain. You are likely running at a pace in life, Christian, this morning, that you can't sustain long-term in life. Uh, in fact, we're running at a pace that I often find in my own life that has no space for God. Isn't it interesting? We think all the tactics and all the things that Satan's going to use, there's back to Satan, let's blame him, right? Uh, the things that are going to kind of invade our life and keep us from doing good is going to be these big sins and these big issues when it could just be our pace, that we are so stinking busy. I just said stinking. Yes, I did from the black <laughs> one, right? We're so stinking busy, I don't have time for God. Uh, they don't, I have time for the Spirit of God to work in my life. Stop and ask yourself this question, what pace am I living at, and is it a healthy, God-honoring pace that I'm living at today? Here's another thought to think about. Does that pace, is the pace you're living at right now, the pace of life, when I say the pace of life, I'm talking about everything you do in life, your work, your job, uh, the relationships that you have, the hobbies that you have, insert every hour, every moment, social media, all of those things in life. Uh, is that a pace that reflects more Jesus? Or is that a pace that reflects more the world? Have you ever thought about that? Does my pace of living reflect the Savior and the way he lived and the way he spoke and the way he acted, or does the pace that I'm living at today reflect the world, everybody else and the way everyone else is living? Am I living the world's pace or Jesus' pace? That's kind of a sobering question, isn't it? We would actually look at our life and say, yes, I want to be free of this habit of sin, and yes, I don't want to give in to the, the flesh, and yes, I want my relationships to be better, and I want all of these things, and I want peace, and I want joy, and I want to come to church, and I want to worship like it really means something in life. We want all these things. But are we willing to actually look at the pace of our life and say, does my pace match the Spirit of God? Did you know that Jesus accomplished way more than any other human being? And yes, Jesus was and is a human being, 100% God, 100% man. Jesus as a human being accomplished more than anyone else in history, and Jesus didn't have a car. <laughs> you ever thought about that? <laughs> he didn't have a car. He didn't get on a plane, and he never traveled very far beyond the region of Israel and Jerusalem, yet Jesus accomplished so much more than anyone else in history, and yet he walked predominantly 
everywhere he went in life. Do you know that Jesus stopped often to pray? That he kind of took a time out from people and he said, man, I've got to take time to pray. And he would go alone often uh, to a mountain or to a, a secluded place and he would pray. Do you know Jesus took a nap in a boat? God forbid, God would take a nap, right? Took a nap in a boat. Jesus was, of course, by no means lazy, but he modeled for us a different pace. He modeled a pace that was never hurried. He modeled a pace that was never moved by the moment, but was always moved by the Spirit of God. Jesus walked by a different pace. And so let me ask you to think about that question again. Does your pace reflect that? Does your pace reflect that? What if we slowed our pace a bit? What if we just slowed it down just a little bit? What if we evaluated some things in our lives? What if we were willing to change our pace so that we could actually do what Paul is calling us and God is commanding us to do, to actually walk in the Spirit? What if we stripped away some of the things that are less important in order for us to walk a bit? You know, we think about walking. Nobody likes to walk right? I mean, maybe you do. Maybe, you know, there's, there's kind of a, I think as you get older, you realize I can't run anymore, right? And so walking is the only thing I can do. And so I'm going to walk, right? And, and walking can be a very peaceful and very, actually, in fact, studies show that walking is, is very, very beneficial uh, as a mode of exercise. But walking isn't something we typically like to do, nor is walking something typically we even associate with Christian living. We are kind of a go, 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 right? Come to church and serve and, you know, do all these things for God. And we, we, we kind of busy our lives, even, even, listen to this, with Christian things, right? We live at a hurried pace in life. We're a people of hurriedness, and we don't like to walk because, you know what? Walking takes too much time, and time is what? Money, right? Time is money, right? But we're prone to this. We are prone. You are prone. I am prone to walk at a pace that's hurried. Why? Because we want to get things done so we can do what? Move on to the next thing, and then the next thing, and then the next thing in life. And, and so when we think of walking, we have a tendency to think of this. Like, is there a faster way, right? I don't know if you ever broken da broke down anywhere and you had to walk, and you're just like, if somebody could just, you know, give me a ride. Or, you know, if there was just a faster way to, to get between this point and that point. That's why we have cars, and we have trains, and we have planes, and we have bikes. I mean, even when you're walking, you're like, I take a bike, you know, give me a bike. It'll get me there faster. And we have four-wheelers and snowmobiles and all kinds of modes, segways, right? Segways. Like, anybody ever been on a segway before? I would love to be on a segway. But we don't want to walk, right? Walking takes too much time, too much effort. But it's always going to get you to where you need to go. Isn't that fascinating? That even though walking takes time and it takes patience, uh, even though it, it's not the fastest way, walking will eventually get you to your destination. And Christianity, I want you to know, is more about walking than it is sprinting, is it not? Uh, if you were to, you know, define uh, Christianity, you could say Christianity is more like the tortoise than it is the hare, right? Let's go back old school here, right? In fact, the word walking, it's used so much in Scripture, that as we look at this idea of walking in the Spirit, that you find this idea of, of walking and how it relates so much to our Christian living. The word uh, for walking is, if you're into the Greek definitions and, and that's important to you, it means simply to occupy yourself. That when we talk about walking somewhere, walking in the Spirit, being led of the Spirit, those sorts of things, walking is used to, to just simply mean how you occupy your time, how you live your life, what you fill 24 hours with, 
The same 24 hours that I have is the same 24 hours that you have. What do you fill those time, that time with? What do you fill those moments with? And, and so walking is synonymous in Scripture with the way we live, with the way that we live out our lives and occupy our times. And there's really a lot of insight here that is really, really fantastic. But walking is used a lot in Scripture. Let me give you just a few examples. It's not exhaustive. Uh, and, and I want you to just hear some of this this morning or maybe write them down and look them up later. Uh, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the, the uh, Apostle Paul says this, we walk by faith, not by sight. We occupy our lives by faith, that we would walk, we would live, we would go through every moment of life, our parenting, our, our workplace, and we would say, this is, this is an area of faith, everything. We are to walk and live by faith, not by sight. Ephesians 5.2 says we are to walk in love. We are to live by love, this characteristic that ought to invade the church and, and be the thing that when people from the world look at the church, they ought to see love. To see us loving one another. In chapter 5 and verse 15, uh, Paul would go on to say this. He says, look carefully then how you walk. Right? Like there's a way to live and there's a way not to live. And he says, uh, not as unwise, but wise. And boy, do we ever need that in our world today. Do we not? We need a little bit of wisdom, right? We need a little bit of wisdom to be able to walk successfully in a world that is desperately evil and desp desperately crooked, Right? We need wisdom to walk. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says, We exhorted you, we encouraged each of you, uh, and charged you to walk in a way, uh, in a manner worthy of God. The way you live, it ought to glorify God. The way you occupy your time and what you fill your time with ought to bring glory to the Father. This is how we are to live. I'll give you one last one that really uh, gives us a, a, good, uh, a good, I guess, nail in the wall, so to speak. First John 2, 6, whoever says he abides in him, you say you're a Christian, you say you love Jesus, you say you have a relationship with Christ. If that's you, John would say, hey, let me give you a little dis disclaimer here. If you say that, you ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Who's the he? It's Jesus, right? We ought to walk at the pace of Jesus, we ought to live at the pace of Jesus. We ought to look at the way Jesus lived his life on this earth and say, I want to live that way. I want my pace to be the pace of Jesus. And guess, guess what? It's the Holy Spirit. It's not you going home and saying, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do more. I'm going to just, you know what? This year, my goal, my thing. And if that's you, great. My experience, it doesn't work that way. The more I try, the more I fail. But the more I walk in the Spirit and let the Spirit of God lead my life, the less of a fight it is. And for some of you this morning, you're like, that sounds so mystical and weird. I have no frame of reference for what you're talking about. Right? It's true. And it's true because many of us have never learned to walk in the Spirit. We've never learned to actually let the Spirit lead us through prayer, through Scripture, through relationships. God, what are you trying to tell me in this circumstance? We just walk through life. And we have no wisdom and we have no understanding because we're not being led by the Spirit of God. But yet, we're being led by the pace of the world. And we're too busy to listen to the world 
And, and so walking in the Spirit, I'm going to give you some things to consider and to write down this morning of what walking in the Spirit implies. And in fact, it implies three things. It probably implies more. So some of you are like, actually, Pastor, I think it implies more than what you just said this morning. Um, please, I don't think, if you bring a question to me, I, that's not the voice I hear in my head. I just the voice that came out of my, my mouth this morning. Um, this is not exhaustive. And I'm sorry. I am a terrible person. I want you to know that my flesh is on display for you to see. It's awful. Um, but I want you to know and understand these are some important things that we need to consider as we kind of open this conversation, right? Because we need to have a, a, a deeper conversation. Like, what does it look like? Is walking in the Spirit this mystical thing? Do I got to, you know, have a different language? Do I got to, like, have this experience or all that? No, I don't believe that whatsoever. We need to understand the basis for the Spirit of God's work in our lives and what it means to occupy our lives, letting Him lead our lives. So I'm going to give you three things to kind of consider and write down, and we'll press more into this in the weeks ahead. But walking in the Spirit implies three things. The first thing is this, it implies possession, okay? I want you to think about this with me for just a moment, that the Spirit, walking in the Spirit implies uh, that I am possessed by God and not of myself. We need to ask ourselves this question, who owns me? Who owns you this morning? We, we don't like to ask that question or really consider that question because, again, we're Americans, right? Nobody owns us, right? We're Montanans. We're independent. We're whatever. We're human beings. Don't tell me that somebody else owns me. I own me, and I make my own decisions. I think Scripture would actually teach us something very, very different. We're not to walk. We're not to walk in a way that we want to walk or think we should walk, we're actually to walk in the Spirit uh, because of this. And this is really, again, uh, a hard thing for us to reconcile. We are not, you are not, I am not my own. I am not my own. And neither are you this morning. And so who owns me, who possesses me? So we're not free to do whatever we please. We may think that, and we may desire that, because that's a very fleshly thing for us. I want to do what I want to do, but we're actually free to do what pleases God. That's what freedom is, right? You have been set free. It was for freedom that you have been set free. Is that a freedom to do whatever you want in life? No, it's a freedom to be free from the bondage of sin and be free to serve the living Savior. That's what you've been set free for. And so you are not your own. You see, walking in the Spirit, it means that I understand that God is my master, and I, I am his servant. He is my master, I am his servant. And that's a hard thing, again, for us to reconcile, because we, we push back, and so we say, no one owns me. But let me, let me give you a scripture that actually says the very opposite. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and verses 19 through 20, it says, do you not know do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom uh, you have from God? God has given you the Spirit. And then he says this, you are not your own. We're like, erase that little part there, right? You're not your own, for you were bought with a price to glorify God in your body. In fact, Ephesians 5.18 says something very similar about this idea of the Spirit in possession, right? We're not to be drunk with wine, we're in excess, right? You're not, you shouldn't be controlled by a foreign substance. You shouldn't be overtaken and possessed by a foreign substance. You ought to let the Holy Spirit of God control you. Be filled, right? Be filled with the Spirit. And so walking in the Spirit means I have this constant, constant clarifying understanding that I am not my own, 
I am not in possession of my life. I am his, and I need to go really fast because I'm running out of time. But let me ask you to think about that question. Who or what possesses you? Who or what owns you? Who are you allowing or what are you allowing to possess you this morning? Uh, as long as it's you, you're, you're never going to let the Spirit lead your life. That's the reality, right? Uh, here's another one to consider. Walking the Spirit implies possession, but it also implies this pro- pro- progression, progress, right? If we are to walk, we're to use this analogy, like, right? Paul's saying, like, you need to walk. There, there's a step. You're taking a step, one step in front of the other. We, we often think of Christianity in, in these terms, epic, big spirit moments where God shined a light in my life, and I saw, and I experienced, and I felt And those are great, right? Raise your hand. Those are awesome, right? Those are wonderful experiences. But Christianity is actually less about these epic moments in life, and it's more about the daily grind, right? It's more about the walking. It's more about today, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to take a step, and I'm going to progress a little more in life. But that's hard, right? Because we don't like walking. We want to fast track everything. We want to fast track our growth in life. We want to have it now. But walking takes time. Putting one foot in front of the other. Actually, it's more beneficial than you think. And that's why you'll often hear me say time and time again, look, just take a step today. We think, oh, I've got to rid all of this from my life. And we have this long list. I don't know about you. When I was in high school, I had this long list of sins. There was like top 10 sins in my life that I need to rid myself of. And I would go to my, my youth pastor and be like, I got, I got a list. He's like, yeah, I got a list too. I'm like, but mine's big. Is it just focus on number one. Just focus on number one. Right? Don't, don't worry about everything. But like focus on, take one step in your faith. Progress through your life. Can you look back over the past month, the past year, the past two years of your life, and can you see progress in your faith? Can you see growth? Can you see those moments that you have changed and, and, and that you've progressed in your, in your faith and your understanding in life? See, walking in the Spirit implies that there's some progress, right? So we got this idea of possession. Who owns me? Progress. Am I making forward progress for Christ? And then this last thing we'll talk about this morning is, is the idea of pattern. See, walking in the Spirit implies that there is a pattern that I am following, that I'm patterning my life after the Spirit. We're actually to pattern our life after the pace of Jesus rather than pattern our lives off of the pace of the world. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. And I'm not telling you anything you've not heard before, right? Like we shouldn't live as the world. We ought to live as Christ. When we think of it in these terms of pace, most of us would say, I'm busy, I'm hurried, uh, I got so much going on, and, and, and yet God says, walk walk? Do you have time to walk? Are you patterning your life after Jesus's pace? You see, we can't pattern our life off of Jesus and the world at the same time, can we? Right? That's why Jesus said, you can't have two masters. You either love the one or hate the other, right? You can't pattern your life off of both. You've got to make a choice. And if we're honest, often we choose the pace of the world. I'm reading a a book that uh, is really interesting. In fact, there's a book my daughter read, and she's like, Dad, you got to read this book. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'll read, I'll read this book. And it's been fantastic. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. He's a pastor and a, and a podcaster and teacher and, and so on and so forth. But he said this, and it's on, on the screen for you to read along. He said, if the results you're getting from the pattern of your life 
If the results you're getting from the pattern, the pace, the system that you're living by, if it's anxiety at a simmer, simmer, mild depression, high levels of stress, chronic emotional burnout, little to no sense of the presence of God, and inability to focus your mind on the things that make for life, and so on and so forth, anyone relate to any of those? If that is you, and that's what you're getting from the pace of life. He says, then odds are you're very good. Uh, odds are very good that something about the system, the pace, the pattern that your life is uh, living on is off kilter. Like, hey, Christian, something's off. Something's not right. The way you've organized, the way your, your routine, your schedule, and so on and so forth. But he says, man, something is out of whack. If, if the results you're getting this morning from the pace you're living at is not the, the, the result that you're living, why would we continue the pace, right? Albert Einstein, thank you very much, right? The, the definition of insanity, right? Like, just keep doing the same thing, getting the same results, right? That's what we do. And so why not change your pace? Why not change your pace today? Why not, why not say, hey, you know what? Are there some things in my life that I need to change in order to pattern my life off of the Spirit of God this morning. Stop running at the world's pace and start walking in the Spirit. We need to fight with the right weapons, Christians. We need to fight with the right weapons. And over the course of the next few weeks, we're going to talk more about what this looks like. We're in a fight. There's a battle. The battle is with your flesh. Yes, the world and the devil, those are parts of it as well. But the biggest battle we face is the battle within. How do we win this? How do we win the day? Maybe not the month, maybe not the year, maybe not every moment, but how do we get more victories than more losses in life? I don't know about you, but I want that. I wanna win less than lose more in life. I, I wanna learn what it means to walk in the spirit and, and, and learn to be led of the spirit of God throughout everything I face in life, that I might be able to walk with joy and peace no matter what we experience and face in life. And it starts, it starts, doesn't end, but it starts by just looking at the pace that we're living at. And maybe I need to change the pace that I'm living at. So would you stand for just a moment? I'm going to invite our worship team back up as we get ready to close this morning. But here's what, here's what I want to leave you with today. And I think this is important. Uh, this, this is something we really need to understand about God. Like, why would God put this in the Bible that we might walk in the Spirit so that we wouldn't fulfill the lusts of the flesh, the desires of the flesh. I think there's something important that we often miss, and that is this, is that God knows. Hear me this morning, Christian, you're battling sin. Some of you might have come here this morning, and you're like, yeah, it reared its ugly head on the way to church. I get it, right? Here's something that you maybe need to desperately hear this morning. God knows the struggle. Why else would he put it in Scripture? God knows the struggle of your heart. God knows the struggle with the flesh. God's not up in heaven going like, I'm, at, I'm just ready to drop the hammer on your life the moment you sin. No, God's like graciously, patiently, lovingly saying there's a better way. And I don't want you to have to give in to it. And I don't want you to have to live at this pace of life that you think is the way to live. There is a different pace. There is a different weapon. There is a different tool. There is a different tactic to live by. And that is my spirit who dwells with inside of you and wants to give you the peace and the joy and the satisfaction in the midst of challenges, right? But you can't have victory. You can have victory. But you got to do something.
and you've got to make a choice today. Maybe the choice for you is just saying, God, thank you that you know and that you understand how frail we are as human beings, as Christians, that we need your spirit. God, I need your spirit. Maybe that's your prayer this morning. God, I need your spirit to lead me today, right now. Would you start teaching me to be led of you? Father God, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful that you've given us your spirit. The truth, the reality, the, 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 the deep doctrinal understanding is that you have given us your spirit to dwell with inside of us. Thank you. God, that you bring conviction, that you bring understanding, that you uh, give us this, this uh, picture of what it means to, to follow you through your spirit. And God, may we learn to walk in your spirit. And God, help those of us this morning who are walking or living or running at a pace that is not healthy and that is not honoring to you, that just doesn't have space for you. God, help us to change our pace today that we might learn to walk in your spirit. God, do with us as you wish. We submit to your word and your will today. May we leave here as doers of the word and not just hearers. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Would you worship one last time with us?